Well, before I begin the message, I want to mention something of a very serious note. Something that's been brought to my attention, and I want to deal with it this morning. It's been brought to my attention uh, that there's an individual who's trying to destroy some of the marriages in this room. It's been brought to my attention that there is an individual who's trying to stir up lots of animosity in the dorms. It's been brought to my attention that there's somebody who's wanting some of you to quit at the end of this semester and do something else. And I want to call that individual out this morning. That individual's the devil. That's pretty sobering when you realize what he wants to do. There's some of you that maybe at the beginning thought, who in the world is this person? And while we might smile and relax for just a moment, I do want you to know there's somebody who wants to destroy you and he's the devil. And it's going to be your choice as to whether or not you let him have his way. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Several years ago, many years ago, when I was a member at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Kings Mountain, I remember I was on soul winning visitation a particular morning with a friend of mine. And over in Kings Mountain, we were in a neighborhood that was full of mill houses. A lot of you aren't aware of this, but Cleveland County in its heyday was a cotton mill town. And these mills were thriving, and these mills actually built entire neighborhoods of small houses for their employees. And we were in one of these small neighborhoods, and I remember a friend of mine and myself, we came up to a particular house that had a chain-link fence. And uh, on that chain-link fence, it had a sign that said, Beware of Dog. And as we were deciding what to do, I looked at him and I said, Well, I'm going to go up to this door. And right as I was about to grab the chain-link fence, he looked at me, he said, Well, I'm not going. He said, that sign right there says, beware of dog. And I thought to myself, well, if you're a big chicken, that's sort of what I was thinking in my mind. That's all right. And so I'll never forget, I reached down to grab the latch. And the moment I touched it, I saw two things running at me at a high rate of speed. The first thing was the owner of the house and the dog. It was like somebody had shot him out of a cannon. I still remember he was wearing biker garb with a long ponytail. He had a huge chain that connected his belt with his wallet in the back. And in those boots, he ran out with marked uh, rapidness. I couldn't believe he could move that fast. And he was yelling, stop, stop. And about that time, there was a pit bull that was running from the backyard and made itself, made its way to the chain link fence. I can still see its old nasty teeth just gnarling that fence, just, just grating against it. 
And uh, about that time, I, of course, I just stayed there. And the man, as he stepped up to the fence, he let me have it. Uh, he looked at me and he asked me questions like, Can't you read? This sign is here for a reason. Why? Do, I mean, the whole time, I don't remember everything that he said. All I remember was shaking my head. Yes, yes, you're right. You know, you are crazy. Yes, you're right. Can you, this sign means something. Yes, you're right. You know, after that, my friend probably looked at me and smarted a little bit and said, See, I told you so. But you know, ever since then, every time I see that sign, that black sign with three orange words, I believe it. Uh, If we went out soul winning on Saturday and there was a sign that said, Beware of dog, and you looked at me and said, Let's go up there. And I'd say, No, I'm not going up there. And you might look at me and say, Well, look, that's a chihuahua on the front door. That is a punting dog. That's a dog you can kick. I would look at you and I would say, I don't care. Because it is either rabid or it's got a Rottweiler cousin in the back. It's a set-up job. I'm not interested in it. You know, when I see the sign, Beware of Dog, I treat it with great soberness now, even though I may not see any signs at the time as far as physical signs of the animal. I believe that sign is there for a reason. And there may be some of you here today, you're a little reckless when it comes to that. I used to be of the opinion that there was never a dog that would ever bite me. Well, I've changed my opinion since then. I want to tell you this morning, there's something more reckless than going into a neighborhood and disregarding a beware of dog sign, and that's to live your life and not beware of the devil. Now, while I believe that our student body is filled with common, ordinary people who are called by God and have a distinct purpose, and I don't put you on a shelf here and everybody else here, I realize it's a level playing field, but do you realize I believe for many of you because of what you're called to do and the desire that has been put in your heart that the devil wants to ruin you? knowing that if he can ruin the person who is heading into the service of the Lord, that he can impact future generations and even discourage those that are around him. And so today, if there's not much that you remember, there are three words that I want you to remember, and here they are, beware of devil. And I want you to see it through the eyes of Peter this morning. The first thing that I want you to see is our exhortation in verse number 8. Before Peter ever talks about the devil, he gives two shouts of exclamation to tell us to be careful. Now, if you've never seen a contrast in Scripture, I'm going to tell you, there's a great contrast between verse 7 and verse 8. In verse number 7, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's God. You've come to chapel and you're heavy today. God says, give me your care. As Kayla shared in her testimony, obviously there's a burden on her heart. And while the world says, I don't want your burdens, God says, listen, there's nobody like God. In one verse you find God who loves us the most, and in the next verse you find the one who wants to destroy us. And before Peter can even utter his name, He says, be sober, be vigilant. 
It's sort of like if we were walking through the woods and we saw a big snake out there. Usually, if we're walking through the woods together and I see the snake, I'm not going to say, Look, snake, wow. Usually, my first response is going to be, Stop. Before we even talk about the danger that's ahead, I'm concerned about the security of the people that are with me. I believe that's exactly what Peter does. Before he even talks about the adversary of the devil, he says, be sober, be vigilant. Many times the devil is depicted as somebody wearing a red suit with horns and a goatee and a pitchfork and seems rather harmless. And we say that's the world's view of the devil. But can I tell you, some of us live today as if that's the way he really is. He's not harmless. He's a very powerful being. And he wants to destroy you. My question to you is, are you being sober? Are you being vigilant? The idea of being sober is to be clear-minded. To be serious-minded. Many times when we hear the word sober, we think about the contrast of soberness and drunkenness. You take a man who's intoxicated, his mind is blurred by alcohol. You take a person who's sober, their minds are crisp. You take a person who's drunk, uh, they say things that they don't even realize what they're saying. You take a person that's sober, hopefully he's speaking with self-control and awareness. I want to ask you about this idea of the devil. Are you being sober when it comes to the idea of your adversary? Are you being clear-minded? I remember one night uh, growing up, I was just a kid. And you don't see this so much nowadays. This really dates me. But back home, back and during that time, you used to have a lot of door-to-door salesmen. And one of the things that the salesman was selling that came to our house that night was a set of encyclopedias. Now, I know that's hard to believe. Some of you are like, yeah, we have Wikipedia. Let me tell you, Wikipedia is about authoritative as a rotten limb sometimes because people like you get on there and enter the information in. You know, We could make you out to be the greatest thing since a slice of bread. Just give us 10 minutes and we can do it. But there actually used to be a day in which printed encyclopedias, I know that's archaic, but they used to sell them. And an encyclopedia salesman came to our house that night, and I was already embarrassed because my father was intoxicated. And I still remember that night, he, my mom let him in, and he gave this whole spill about these encyclopedias. And I mean, just brought out a whole bunch of books. And he basically told my dad, he said, Mr. Beal, he said, won't you, uh, won't you buy these encyclopedias for your son? It'll really help him in school. I'm probably on the inside thinking, no, I don't want those. But anyway... I remember my dad, after the presentation, he looked at the man and he was intoxicated. He said, well, how much are they? And the man said either $1,350 or $1,450. And I knew that was like $1,300 or $1,400. And I could not believe what I watched my dad do. My dad looked at him and he said, I think I'll buy them. He pulls out his checkbook and he writes out the check and he hands it to the man. I'm watching this and I'm blown away. And then the man looks at the check and just shakes his head. You know what my dad had done that day? My dad wrote him a check for $13.50. I'm sitting on the couch 
as a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old, and I was in disbelief. I knew what he was saying, but a 50-year-old man didn't know what he was saying. The reason why was because he was intoxicated. He wasn't sober. What was obvious to a child wasn't obvious to him. I don't tell you that this morning as much as a discredit to him, as much to tell you as a warning of alcohol, it'll do the same exact thing to you. But you know what breaks my heart? There's times when you see young people whose lives are filled with potential and energy, and you know what? They aren't sober enough to see the danger ahead. You know, there's some of you, you've never touched your first drop of alcohol, and you know what? You ought to be congratulated for it, and you ought to never touch it. But there's some of you, while you've never touched your first drop of alcohol, let me tell you, you're not intoxicated with the devil's drink, but you're intoxicated with your own lust. You're intoxicated with your own way, and you can't see straight. No wonder Peter said, be sober. People try to tell you something and you just refuse to see it. I mean people that love you and people that are invested in you. If you're here today and people that love you and have sacrificed for you sit you down and say, listen, you're going the wrong way. Listen to me. If you disregard that and you blow them off, more than likely you're intoxicated with something. You say, well, man, that's pretty forceful. Well, I'm going to tell you, after 20-some years of being here, I've seen it too much. I want to ask you to be sober this morning. I'm going to tell you, just like not, Samson was not sober, and it led him to destruction with Delilah. Four times she tried to woo to him the secret of the strength on the, of his strength. On the fourth time, he finally gives it in. Why? Because he was so drunken with lust, he could not see what was obvious to everybody else in this room. When I read the book of Judges and I get to Judges 14, 15, and 16, I start shaking my head. When I read Judges 16, I start jumping up and down inside. I'm like, Samson! Samson, can you not see what's going on? He couldn't. Why? Because he wasn't sober. Peter said, be sober. And then he says, be vigilant. It's the idea of being on the lookout. Let me tell you something. God will use the weakest, or excuse me, the devil will use the weakest link in your life to break you and to destroy you. And not think twice about it. What's the stronghold in your life? What's the part of your life that you know can be exploited and the devil could use to ruin you? Every one of us, we have a weak link in here, whether you want to admit it or not. I've seen some people, they wanted to make money, and they made money, and they lost everything else in the process. I've seen other people, they just wanted to live freely and have their own will and their own way and they destroyed people in the path. They got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. But what part of your life is that weakest link? Be vigilant, be on the lookout. When I was a kid growing up, before video games became very popular, back when I was a kid, video games were very elementary. The Atari 2600, basically you had pixels and a stick. 
And it was amazing. We entertained ourselves for hours pushing one button and working one stick. Now you play and you've got 400 buttons and triggers and cheat codes and everything else. But, you know, it used to be pretty basic when I was a kid. But during those days, we actually played outside. You know, it, was, it had some great virtue. One of the games we played in elementary school was Red Rover, Red Rover. You remember playing that? We would all gather hands together and we would say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send so-and-so right over. And, uh, boy, I loved it whenever they called my name. And whenever they called my name, I would look and I would scan that other line. And when I scanned that other line, I didn't look for two boys that were built like me wearing husky pants. It's like running into death. But I'll tell you exactly what I did. I'd usually look and find the two girls that were the most disinterested in the game that are just holding hands by pinkies and just sort of sitting there biding their time. And I would take off running and I'd act like I'd run one way and then I'd zoom right in between them and I'd grab them each by the hand and take them back to my line. And if we lost, it wasn't going to be my fault. Some of you are like, well, boy, you're such a coward. That was really wimpy to do. Well, I was just a kid, so forgive me. But you know, just like I would look and I would scan that line, listen, you better be vigilant because for some of you, listen, there may be a gaping hole and the devil will do whatever he can to exploit it. And you're foolish if you think he won't. Be sober. Be vigilant. That's our exhortation. But the second thing that I want you to see is I want you to see our enemy. It is very easy for us to misidentify the enemy. Can I give you an example? Let me try to make it personal so that way I take the brunt of it. So you're in one of my classes. And let's say I publicly berate you in that class. I do that in evangelistic preaching, but we have an understanding about that. So. But let's say I do something to you, and in your eyes, when I leave that room, all of a sudden I become the enemy. Now, I'm not condoning my behavior. I hope I don't do make a practice of doing that. The only time I would ever publicly berate a student is if a student stood up in class and publicly made a fool of himself, I've got to set him down. There's really no, there's no way out of that. But I, you, know, you, don't, you don't want to do anything publicly if you can get by with that. But let's say I do that, and you leave that room, and you say, I can't stand him. He's the enemy. You've misidentified the enemy. Let's say a student just repeatedly disobeys. Wait till you have children and your children do that. I know some of you right now, you're like, I'm going to tell you my children aren't going to do any of that stuff. Go ahead. Listen, we have an alumni reunion 20 years from now. I'm going to sit down right beside of you. I'm going to say, so how'd that child rearing thing go? And if you tell me we had instant obedience for 20 years, I'll say you're a liar. But you know, sometimes when somebody repeatedly disobeys, you know, after a while you start losing your patience. I, I did. 
And you know, it's not very long. You say, well, they're the enemy. And that's how you start treating them. I'm going to tell you, the devil is a master at causing us to misidentify the enemy and then to destroy each other. You know, right now, I'm not really concerned. I don't know that Calvinism is knocking on our door to destroy the school. I've found the only way to be, the only way to keep Calvinism out is just to be vocal against it. You have to put your flag in the ground every once in a while, wave it. But you know, I don't really see that as the biggest threat to destroying the school. Financially, right now, uh, we're praying some money in towards the end of the year to get everything done that we need to and to replace projectors and you know, get things started. But, you know, I, I, at this point in the history of the school, I don't think it's financial ruin. I'll tell you, but what could ruin this school the drop of a hat is misidentifying the enemy and just shooting and killing each other. I'm not the adversary and you're not the adversary. But the devil is. The devil's a master of making the, the teenager think, well, my mom and dad, they hate me. They're the enemy. The devil is a master at us thinking that students are the enemy or a teacher is the enemy. Listen, and we start thinking that way and we start acting that way. The Bible says, but take heed lest you bite and devour one another in, in Galatians chapter 5. That's what happens when we start thinking that each other is the enemy and we nip and we tuck and we bite and before it's over with, you're gone. So I want to take a moment just to tell you about the real enemy, the devil. Notice in verse 8, it says, Because your adversary, the devil. That's pretty, that's plain and clear, isn't it? You know, sometimes growing up, I'd play basketball and we were playing and because we weren't wearing jerseys, you couldn't tell who was on what team. And what's really aggravating is when a guy was on your team one game, he's on the other team the next game, and he looks at you and he's like, here, throw me the ball. And then he throws it and he marches to the other side and shoots it. I'm like, I want to kill that boy. He just exploited me. Sometimes you get on a basketball court, you can't tell who's who. But the Bible here makes no, no qualms about it. Your adversary, the devil. When you think about the devil this morning, listen, the devil in John chapter 8 and verse 44, he's described in no flattering terms by Jesus himself. In John 8, 44, Jesus talking to the religious crowd, he said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. Now that's what Jesus said about the devil. That is his character. That is his desire. The Bible tells us in Jude verse 9, it talks about Michael the archangel having an encounter. It says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Now let me just tell you, apparently here's the archangel and here's the, the devil, and they're having a confrontation. And I mean, here is a created being of God, Michael the archangel. When he contends with the devil, he doesn't roll up his sleeves and say, I'm going to put it right there, run into that 90 miles an hour devil. Not even the archangel, the devil's a very powerful being. 
And he said, the Lord rebuked thee. Listen to me. You want to take the devil lightly? I'm going to tell you, he's a powerful being. Now, by no means do I want to overshadow it and make it like he's powerful than God. Because I'm telling you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But listen to me, the devil is a powerful being. And we have a lot of Christians today, they act as if the devil is powerless when it comes to music and worldly entertainment and worldly living. But I'm going to tell you what, the devil has a way of mesmerizing the children of God trying to destroy them. And now we pipe the world's music into our churches. And now we entertain them with the world's devices. And as a result, you have to keep them with the same thing. The devil is a liar. The devil is a powerful being. Revelation 12 and verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Do you like being deceived? You ever like the old bait and switch? You think you're buying one thing and you get another? I had a friend of mine, he saw some clothing online that he really thought his wife would love and enjoy, and so he ordered it. And after ordering it, he realized it would take weeks to get to him because it was coming from China. And when he received the clothes, they were a far cry from being as they were advertised and a lot smaller than he anticipated. Hey, nobody likes getting false goods, do you? But the devil's a master of it. Hey, you go ahead and you have your own way and you live it up and you enjoy it, but he doesn't tell you about the heartache you're going to have to go through five years from now. (laughs) Oh, I know, you think it's rather innocent. Listen, nothing wrong with just having a little fun now and living it up, but the devil doesn't tell you about the consequences that are going to take place later. Why? Because he's a deceiver. And yet we live as if we can trust the devil. You see, the devil is our adversary. And now I want you to notice how he's pictured as our adversary. It says, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. You know, there's a lot of animals that girls would say are cute. I I don't really know that guys use that word much, and if they do, they ought to stop it. (laughs) A girl sees a rabbit, and she's like, that's cute. A girl sees a cat, and I'll admit this one, I can't understand it, but she says, that's cute. I have trouble with that. But you know, when you come to a lion and you see a full-grown full lion and it's roaring, that's not cute. As a matter of fact, wouldn't you agree that that's a deadly animal? You'd say, if I had a choice between playing with a rabbit or a roaring lion, that's no competition. Give me the rabbit. Why? Because the picture of a roaring lion... Listen, God drew that picture for you today. When my daughter was little, she'd bring a picture to me and she'd say, Daddy, I drew this for you. And I'd look at it and say, what is it? And she'd say, I don't know. And she'd walk off. And I have some of those, even to this day, I have those pictures. She drew that picture to me, and even though she didn't know what it was, 
It was important enough for me. I thought, man, this is this, I just need to have it. Listen to me. God Almighty in 2022 has come to you today and He said, I've drawn you a picture and that's the devil and yet you disregard the warning. I'm going to tell you, if God takes time to draw a picture, you better keep it and you better keep it in your mind and you better be sober and be vigilant. But notice the end of verse number 8. It says, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There's the, there's the bottom line. You know, sometimes I can talk to people and they give me a lot of details and I just want to know the bottom line. They like to tell me how they got to that conclusion and four hours later... I'm still wondering where we're at. Sometimes I just say, stop. What's the bottom line? All right, I'm going to tell you the bottom line. It's to devour you and to destroy you. That's pretty harsh. I'm going to tell you, when it's said and done, the devil doesn't care about you. And when you yield to temptation and it leaves you in ruin, he won't bat an eye. He wants to drink you down and devour you just like that. That is, that is, the, that is the, the devil. He is our adversary. So number one, we see our exhortation. Number two, we see our enemy. And before I give you the third point, let me just say, I'm not the enemy, you're not the enemy, but the devil is. And here's the last thing that I tell you. It's our escape. How do you, how do you win against this enemy? How, if he is a lion, listen, if you put me in a room with a lion, he's much more agile than I. Um, there's, there's really no way that I in and of myself can win. And that's why you need to read the first part of verse 9 where the Bible says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Can I tell you? It's basically this. Without God, you don't have a chance. Let me tell you, without Jesus, it would have been hell. And as a Christian, without God's help and without God's strength, it'll be ruin and heartache and sorrow. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. Let me give you two verses to keep in mind as you think about this idea of escaping the devil. The first one is James chapter 4 and verse 7. In James chapter 4 and verse 7, you're going to find a word that's used there that's used in verse number 9. It's the word resist. And in James chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says in the latter half, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But we do ourselves a great disservice when we ignore the first half of James chapter 4, verse 7. You say, well, what do you mean? I want you to see it. James 4 and verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil 
and he will flee from you. In a moment, I'm going to tell you, listen, we have to resist the devil. But I'm going to tell you, you're not even going to make it there until, first of all, you submit yourself to God. You know, it was interesting when I was growing up as a teenager, and this dates me, but at the time I had a real problem with music, and I had a whole cache of cassette tapes. I know, that's embarrassing to even say. Like cassette tapes, that's so archaic. It's okay, I wish... You know, one day it'll come back into vogue and style. I mean, they're playing albums again. So, I mean, you know, vinyl. So, it's just a matter of time. Cassette tapes will make their course. But I had a whole stash of music that uh, was, it was just devil's music. It's just all there was to it. I know some people would say, well, that's just, no, it was. Listen to me. When you have genres of music that sing about the world and emulate the world, it's the devil's music, period. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, you know, I I was like, well, I'm just going to set those things aside and then I would pull them back out and I'd listen again. I'd get convicted and I'd set them out to the side. But I'm going to tell you what, there came a day, boy, you're talking about God putting His thumb on you. God put His thumb on me and said, listen, you know, Bill, what are you going to do? You're just going to keep just riding this fence? And I remember that day, I'll tell you what I did. I know I I did. I submitted myself unto God. That day, instead of fence straddling and just taking it back and forth, back and forth. I said, God, I want my music to be your music, and I took all of it to the burn pile. But you know what my problem was? My problem wasn't what my hands were doing with that material. My problem was what my heart was doing with it. And there's some of you, listen, you've got some battles and you say, yeah, I'm trying. I've got all kinds of programs and I've got all kinds of this and that and I've got all kinds of safeguards. Listen to me. Those things, I'm not minimizing them. But if you don't submit your heart to God, you're trying to use fleshly restraint. And it may be for some of you, listen, instead of getting back into the same old things over and over again, submit yourself, therefore, unto God, then resist the devil. Take active measures to say, listen, you're not... Listen, whenever I would fight somebody as a kid, when my cousin and I would wrestle, and he would grab his arm around me like this, I would grab my arm and I'd rip it off. I'd resist him. And I'm going to tell you, when there's a tentacle that comes down in your life, you've got to reach down and say, oh no. But if you don't submit yourself to God to start with, listen, you're going to make a mess. And then the second passage that I remind you of is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, where the Bible says this, neither give place to the devil. You know, as an evangelist, a lot of times I enjoy the hospitality of other people and they make a place for me. Sometimes that place is a room in a church building. I remember one time I slept on a, on a uh, it was a wire contraption that you unfolded. I still remember when I slept at night, I felt like the letter U. And uh, But somebody made a place for me. Other times I've stayed in a mother-in-law apartment. Sometimes it's been a room in a house. There's friends that I've made all over the country. Why? Because they made a place for me. Usually when you make a place for somebody, it's somebody that you want to entertain, right? Let me ask you, have you made place for the devil? You say, that sounds foolish that a Christian would make place for the devil. Well, I, I agree with you, but we do it sometimes in our phones, in our minds in our relationships. 
Hey, what's the one part of your life you don't want anybody else knowing about because you knew your parents would be disappointed and you know that, you know, it's just not right? Can I tell you, if there's a place like that in your life, you know what? More than likely, you've, you've made a place for the devil. You know, I know I started the message today with a little bit of sobriety that probably put some of you on edge. But it wouldn't hurt every one of us to have that same seriousness as we end this message. Because the devil doesn't want you in school next semester. The devil never wants you to make it to the ministry. The devil wants you to live disillusioned. The devil wants to take your relationships and destroy them. And he'll do anything he can to do it. And while, yes, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, listen to me, the people of God better start being sober and being vigilant.